I would not have believed that until I had clients whose husbands had visited prostitutes and it wasn't any different compared to women whose husbands were, you know, just into porn. And I put those in air quotes because it's just as devastating. Yeah. Welcome to Coffee with a Couple Cure, where we share practical tips for your relationship before you finish your first cup. Here's Jay and Lori Pyatt. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with the Couple Cure. I'm Jay Pyatt. And I'm Lori. This season, we are covering betrayal. Um, it's our, it's what we deal with in our day job. It's how we help couples. Uh, we help them after betrayal. And whatever the betrayal is, just substitute the word, well, substitute that with the word porn because that's what we're going to be covering a lot of. Right. Um, at first, we're just going to cover the basics uh, of what we wish we'd have known. Yeah, so I guess we'll just start. Uh, if you don't know our story, go back to season one of Coffee with a Couple Cure podcast and listen to episode 10. If you don't know if you can trust us, listen to episode 11, and that'll kind of give you some um, some background information on us. If you don't think porn can be addictive, then go uh, just Google fight the new drug and misrepresenting science. Yeah, that should probably get you to this article. The article is called Op-Ed, Who Exactly is Misrepresenting the Science of Pornography? And it was released uh, late December, December 28th of 2016. It's an awesome web page that has not just its own listing of studies, but it's like listings of other websites that have 40 studies on it. Then another one has 20. Then another one has 30. Just it's a very good um, package of information. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you don't believe it can be addictive, then then uh, the science behind it is listed on that article. Right. And if if you have betrayed someone through some other means, like Lori was saying, pornography was just my story. Your story may be something else, but the how that betrayal impacts the other person is pretty consistent regardless. And the means for uh, rebuilding trust after that type of betrayal are pretty similar. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, stick around. Even if this isn't your story, you may pick up on something new that's helpful for you. Mm-hmm. What I wish I had known. I wish I'd have known I wasn't crazy. Um, I wish I would have known how deeply this can impact women. What I've heard is, and this was from, uh, I think five, or up to now, five therapists who have said this on separate occasions, that the women who come to them whose husbands have been involved in actual affairs don't act any more devastated than the women whose husbands had just been involved in pornography. Um, you've probably heard me say this before, but I would not have believed that until I had clients whose husbands had visited prostitutes and it, it it wasn't any different. I was really surprised. I'd be like, oh my gosh, your husband did what? How are you not climbing the walls compared to, you know, the women whose husbands were, you know, just into porn. And I put those in air quotes because, uh, it's just as devastating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And I, and I've seen that from the guy's side as well, that they have deep shame over all of it. They, um, for some of them, they have more resistance in giving up pornography than they do in prostitution because one is truly, uh, illegal and, and yeah. a bunch of other stuff, at least here in, in where we live. Mm-hmm. But, um, the pornography has become so normalized Mm -hmm. that it's like, well, how could this possibly be a problem? And yet we've seen a number of people uh, actually divorce over this topic. And one of the issues with, you know, feeling like we're crazy is because there are a lot of messages out there that it's okay. It's, you know, what are you making such a big deal out of it? Well, it's because he, you know, at the, at the altar, he was asked, will you forsake all others? And he agreed to that. But this is not forsaking all others. This is turning toward others. Right. It's kind of the difference between if if our spouse went to a bar and drank, it, you know, we're, we're the same uh, gender hung out. You know, it was kind of a low key, no big deal versus going to a bar and drinking and there are attractive members of the opposite sex there and it's kind of a party atmosphere. That's the difference between this and other addictions. It involves another woman. It involves other people outside of our relationship. Um, I've had women come to me and just, you know, I don't like this, you know. And I'd, I would respond with, oh, my gosh, that's, you know, I, I would respond the way I, I typically respond. And they go, so I'm not crazy. And I mean, just the look in their eye is just like, so I'm not crazy. There's just this like, are you serious? I'm not crazy. Are right. you sure? Like, right. because I've been told that I'm making way too big of a deal of this. So that is one thing I wish I'd have known. Another thing I wish I'd have known is to be very careful about who I took this information to. Um, Even when it comes to counselors or uh, people who, you know, in the counseling role, because there are two different main models that people in the helping community take. And one is the codependent model, which actually was written by men for men studying only men. So it works actually pretty well with the guys with women. Um, it doesn't work so well. So that's in general. But after betrayal, there's something else that happens that if you take the codependent approach, it can really damage her further. Mm-hmm. Um, the other model I'm talking about is the trauma-based model, uh, the be- betrayal trauma model, um, going in, which is vastly different than the codependent model. Because um, the codependent model, it, it does make her feel like she's to blame somehow. Right. Um, which can keep her stuck is she'll be she'll honestly she'll go, OK, if I can do something about this pain, I'm going to do something. So I need to get rid of my codependency. Check. You know, let me work on that. But in in the relationship, she that will just cause her to spin her wheels because there's something else going on. It's not her codependency. Right. If she had worked on her codependency and I've seen women do this over and over again. They work on their codependency. It doesn't lead to peace. It doesn't eradicate the problem. Therefore, that means there's another issue going on. There's another issue that needs to be addressed. Mm. Um, The issue with being careful about who you see, like I don't know how often this happens, but it's often enough that there's a 
term for it, and that is called treatment-induced trauma. And the problem with treatment-induced trauma is she can't trust her husband, so she goes to somebody in the helping community, and then they put stuff on her or blame her. Some, and I've heard horror stories of what they're told. Uh, some women have been told from people, you know, trying to help. Most of the time, um, it, it's people who want, like, who want the best for them, and they're they're coming from a genuine heart. But other times, it's just like, does that guy have, you know, does that counselor have his own issue with it? Because that's a harsh thing to say to yeah. a woman who's hurting. Um, anyway, so they go to somebody they think they can trust, and then they get, you know, something put on them and so they're not safe there that can re-traumatize them in a way that can cause like long-term damage because now you know nobody's safe so um, I wish I would have known to look for a treatment uh, a uh, a betrayal trauma trained uh, person uh, mm -hmm. in the helping community because they take a, a completely different approach to her healing so Another thing I wish I would have known is he loved it and he hated it. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by this is um, I thought he just loved it. You know, I thought it was like so much better than me. And of course, he wants to get away, you know, to that. There was a side of him that hated it, too. I mean, when he said, you know, I couldn't look myself in the mirror anymore. I was like, well, that must have really been hard. I thought it was nothing but, you know, a party for you. Right. Uh, do you want to go into that at all? Yeah, I just, when, when I would look at myself in the mirror, I saw a guy that I couldn't trust. I saw a guy that I did not respect. And the shame of what I was doing, the shame of my hidden life, really came through in those moments and it uh, there's a lot of self-loathing involved there's a lot of self-hatred involved that this thing that I kept turning to was was something I really knew was awful knew was damaging my marriage and for some reason I couldn't let go of it yeah and I would think that would be really frustrating it's like I can't control myself around certain members of the opposite sex or certain people that I'm attracted to. While it gives me, you know, it releases feel-good chemicals when I look at them, I also kind of hate that I can't control this. I, I also kind of hate that I'm under the power of somebody else, so much so that I end up hating myself or, or really regretting my actions. Yeah. So... Well, we're kind of at time, so I think, and we're only halfway through the list, so I think we'll cut here and then do another um, another one just to keep these short. All right. All right, guys. Yeah, so we will see you all on the next episode. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.